Drives it beautifully through the offside. 32nd Test match under for Steve Smith, his second at Lords. We are witnessing greatness in front of our eyes. One of the all-time greats just takes a hundred off England. Welcome to the Unplayable Podcast, brought to you by Qantas, Spirit of Australia. Day two at Lords was petering out to be a pretty run-of-the-mill day, uh, at least as far as baseball goes. But then we got into the last session and things just started to happen. Uh, before we get right into the crux of it, uh, let me introduce Louis Cameron, who's with me. As always, Louis, what did you make of day two here at Lords? There is no such thing as a run-of-the-mill day <laughs> when there's baseball involved. You're right. It did feel like we were kind of just meandering along another Steve Smith century. We've seen so many of them. We've seen it before here at Lords, a ground that he loves playing at, even despite getting concussed here uh, the last time he arrived. And Australia just had nothing with, with the ball. Not much was happening. The pitch looked completely different to yesterday. And then all of a sudden we had Nathan Lyon go down with – you know, potentially series-ending injury and England playing some interesting shots, let's put it that way, and we can delve into more detail in a bit. Let's run our listeners through the scores of the day. Australia began at 5 for 339 after losing Alex Carey and Mitchell Stark early. Steve Smith brought up his 32nd test century with a glorious shot through the covers and didn't really celebrate too much. A bit of a waggle of the bat. We'll get into that. Maybe. He's done it 32 times before. He doesn't need to celebrate too hard, does he? <laughs> Shortly after that, he was caught at gully by Duckett for 110. And when Lyon and Hazelwood went quickly, Australia had lost their last seven wickets for 100 runs. However, they were all out for 416. Still a pretty good score after being sent in. When England came out, as they do, they came out with intent. And the first wicket fall was Crawley, beautifully stumped by Carey offline with a score on 91. Australia then turned to the short ball after tea, and it worked. The wickets of Pope, Duckett and Root, all coming from the short-pitched bowling. However, Australia have a fresh injury concern. Nathan Lyon, as you mentioned, Lou, grabbed at his right calf and left the field after a pretty innocuous fielding effort. England 4 for 278 at stumps, 138 behind. Do we want to start with the Lyon stuff? Because, as you said, it could be potentially quite series-defining. It could be series-defining. It could be series-ending for him. I mean, the way he was for, – for people who are waking up overnight in Australia who who didn't see it, who thought the game was meandering along, having maybe, <laughs> maybe watched the first two on the couch before going to bed – uh, yeah, it was a it was a terrible injury. It's, it was an unusual sight. We we were talking all this week in the leading about Nathan Lyon playing 100 consecutive tests, about how indestructible he is as a as a cricketer. Uh, he was kind of running in off the fine leg boundary, and it just took a few steps trying to catch Ben Duckett. I think he was in the mm-hmm. in the 90s at the, at the time, and um, immediately just grabbed at his right calf, and you could just tell straight away that things weren't quite right. Basically limped around all the way to the pavilion with the uh, with the physio after he actually had to lie down to get a bit of treatment at the time. So um, really worrying. We talk about him being indestructible. My colleague Andrew Ramsey says that he's never missed a senior game of cricket, club, first class, big bash, whatever, through injury. He last he's, he's 35 years old though. He's 36 years old, yeah. He's never missed a game through injury. Never missed a senior match through injury, apparently. That's what, what Nathan says, which is just incredible. It's an incredible run uh, up until this point. The last game uh, my colleague Andrew Ramsey tells me that he missed was an under-19 game for the ACT playing against Tassie uh, where he broke his cheekbone um, trying to catch a return catch. So it's he's just kind of like a, a – gangly kind of tall guy who just doesn't get injured that much and and he bowls off spin it you know we talk about that being a, a craft that's um not necessarily that physical physically demanding but you know you still would have thought you would miss a game at some point through injury so the point is australia have gotten really used to having him in the team 
so there's two issues kind of looking forward a little bit here. Uh, how do they take 20 wickets without him, uh, given they are going to be bowling last on this and that's when he would normally come into the game? And what do they do for the rest of the series if he if he can't play, um, which you know seems like a, a real possibility at the moment? The good news is, I suppose, uh, I was kind of thinking about it today. In 2019, if he'd been injured, Australia didn't have a backup spinner in their squad. Yeah. So that would have been a real challenge to replace him. Uh, and they also didn't have Cameron Green, their fourth bowler. So mm. you kind of look at it in this test. Well, they've still got four out-and-out fast bowlers. They've got Travis Head. They've got Steve Smith who can bowl a bit of part-time stuff. So they're o- okay, you know, covered uh, from this point of view. But then going forward, they also have Todd Murphy, who mm. was fantastic in India. He kind of exceeded anyone's expectations about how well he would have gone. And that they love him. The, you know, the team really love him. They know how good Nathan Lyon is. It's no suggestion they want to replace him just yet but I think they've got a ready-made replacement. And so what are we thinking timeline-wise? Have we heard from the team what what they're sort of expecting? Are we ruling him out for this test match completely at this stage? Absolutely no indication just yet and that's completely understandable. It's early on. Uh, He's he's only just done it so we we don't know whether he's going to be you know going for a scan. I dare say that would be the most likely thing to to happen but it was just the way it kind of happened. You know we might, might have egg on my face when people listen to this and they say he's fine. He's out there bowling the second innings off uh, of his full run-up, but um, it was just the way he grabbed his leg, wasn't it? Like it, it just didn't look uh, particularly good. It looked like a footy injury. It's the kind of guy, yeah. the kind of injury that older guys in footy do, and um, they miss you know a month or two, uh, and that that is kind of the often the best case scenario with those uh, calf injuries. We are getting ahead of ourselves, so you, you are right to point out that no diagnosis is yeah. forthcoming just yet. As we've got pretty used to as well, he was very consistent for Australia, wasn't he? He had one for 35 off 13 overs at that stage at a time when Australia's other bowlers like Stark and Hazelwood were going at seven and over. So his consistency and his reliability will be missed. Um, but we then saw Travis Head drop in for a few overs in the final session, five overs in fact, and look pretty tidy as the backup spinner. Yeah, not too bad. And it's a really good point you make about the fast bowlers and probably a good place to jump in on England's tactics during that last session. We'll come back to you, Hedy, then. Yeah, yeah. How much more can we say about Travis Head's bowling? Yeah, they're, they're okay. They're what Matthew Hayden would call nude nuts, weren't okay, they? Yeah. Yes, they were, yeah. Yeah. Um, so England's tactics, right? So they've Australia have just lost line. Uh, you know, they, they're going to have to rely a lot more on Cameron Green to bowl them out, and mm. they'd be knowing that. What Ben Duckett just said at the press conference really surprised me. He basically said that they hadn't spoken about that at all, that, you know, it's a fun environment they're trying to create and um, there was basically no tactical discussion, which kind of blows my mind a little bit that you should, you know, as soon as something major happens in the match, you should be reconvening and... Yeah, um, reassessing, yeah. Reassessing, yeah. And, and, you know, those conversations might happen at, at the close of play or the next morning, but I just thought the way Stark and Hazelwood had bowled to that point... Um, they were really struggling for rhythm uh, and Cameron Green had also gone gone around the park um, in his first few overs. All of a sudden, when Pope gets out, when Root gets out and when Ben Duckett gets out, that gives Hazelwood a wicket, it gives Green a wicket, it gives Stark a wicket. All of a sudden, these guys are up and about. The guys are going at, you know, Hazelwood's not used to going at seven and a half and over, which he did for his mm. first few overs. That's given him a, a massive boost and we saw him come back and bowl a really good spell later on. They could have, you know, I know that they want to put these guys under pressure and they deserve credit for taking Hazelwood and Stark for so many runs so quickly at the start. But I just thought at that point in time, giving up those wickets so easily from that point, of, just from a purely Australia's bowler's uh, confidence point of view, um, it wasn't really well thought out. 
Yeah, so just to give our listeners a little more context, after the tea break, Australia's fast bowlers went for the short stuff. A lot of fielders behind square on both the off and leg side, and England's batters, rather than getting out of the way, ducking, pulling the hands away, they went after it, and it cost, as you said, three of them their wickets. I've got a stat here. Uh, from thir- from the first 30 overs of England's innings, Australia only bowled 10 short balls, but in the next 31 overs, they bowled 84. So those numbers have just went through the roof, and it paid off. I mean, it's very taxing for the fast bowlers as you can probably re- relate to um, Pat Cummins and Josh Hazelwood and Mitch Stark and Cameron Green all put in big spells there but it turned out for the best and Australia will be thankful that they were able to bend their back and get a couple of wickets there. It's a really good point and that's the second part of it is there's a physical element mm-hmm. to it and with no Nathan Lyon those guys are going to have to bowl more overs anyway so you know get some overs into Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, Green and then maybe you, you attack them and it's not just the, the attacking style that you know I would take issue with I think the baseball tactics on the whole, they, they in the first test, I thought tactically they were fantastic in in how they picked their moments to attack really well. Um, the part here was that you had guys, you know, you had Ollie Pope trying to he, he was trying to hit a six. I mean, all the guys who got out, yeah. they, they got they were out trying to hit sixes. Yeah. Even Harry Brook, who you know survived to stumps, he's he's forty five not out at stumps. He got dropped at square leg. He's trying to hit a six. So where I actually thought it made a bit of sense was he was um, backing away and trying to hit uh, Stark and Cummins and Green through mid-off basically with kind of tennis shots. It made a lot of sense to me yeah. because there were no fielders yes, there. Yeah. Uh, and reasonably low risk when you when you think about how the field was set. And so, he's so strong with the cross-bat shots anyway, Brooke. Exactly right. And very good through the offside too and got a fantastic eye. So it's not a case of, you know, we're old blokes saying just shut up shop <laughs> and, you know, defend and get in behind it. It's a case of... Think your way through it, as you know. Harry Brook has, has talked about being a strength of his. Think your way through it, and and then find a way to to prosper. The guy who did that really well uh, as well was Ben Stokes, yeah. who copped a couple on the body. He just got in behind it, um, and you know he he probably doesn't get enough credit for what a good tactical batsman he is, um, and he led from the front in that regard. I think. We better get to our moment of the day, brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia, official airline of the Australian cricket team and proudly representing Australia on the world stage, flying to more than 95 destinations around the globe. Louis, do you have a moment of the day for us? I do. So Ben Duckett had just taken his 98th run or was in the process of taking his 98th run when Marnus Labuschagne picked up a ball. And this illustrates how crazy some of these fields were. He was throwing the ball from point to the non-strikers end stumps and Duckett was kind of scurrying through for the single. There was no one there to back up because there was no one in front of, you know, there was no one on the offside to um, to back up the throw. So if that gets through, it's four buys and uh, sorry, four overthrows and that, um, that, that's his hundred, right? Instead, not only does Manus Labuschagne hit the stumps, Duckett's fine, he, he made his ground, but the ball just stops dead. It doesn't ricochet in any direction. So Duckett's there gutted. He's on 98. Uh, he should have had 100. In, if that had hit any other part of the stumps or missed the stumps entirely, uh, he's celebrating his third test 100. So bad luck, Ben Duckett. He obviously you know, then got out hooking um, a short time later. So a, a moment that uh, he would have been gutted with. And that was only three balls later when Duckett was caught by Warner in the D. But let's just rewind to the start of the day when Steve Smith brought up his 32nd Test 100, equaling Steve Waugh on that list and becoming equal second for Australian Test Centurions. It was a very reserved celebration, as we've said, a little bat waggle. He's done it all before, but he still played some glorious shots and got there with a nice cover drive um, off James Anderson. He's looked at absolute ease since the moment he walked to the crease yesterday. Athens said it earlier, his tempo through this innings has been brilliant. 
Yeah, it was um, it was a, a fantastic innings from Smith. He did the bulk of the damage yesterday. He obviously went to stumps at 85, not out. But, I mean, his cover driving was a really impressive part of his innings, I thought. He also played a beautiful shot off Josh Tongue yesterday that, uh, that went four down the ground. So he looks in immense touch, uh, batted beautifully for Australia. It was kind of out in an unusual way, I thought, kind of getting – like playing a wider mm. um, ball yeah, to, to gully. You don't see him kind of out in that direction. Australia's inning kind of um, – fizzled out a little bit from that point. I think they lost their last seven wickets for 100 runs. Maybe we look back on that as as kind of a, a moment where they might have actually wanted to get 500 in this game to to win it. But a lot of water to go under the bridge there and we can uh, we can all retrospectively say what we, we thought about that seven for 100 later on maybe. <laughs> That's right. And we'll only know how good Australia's 416 is once the England first innings ends, which could be sometime tomorrow, which of course we will recap on tomorrow's Unplayable podcast brought to you by Qantas, the spirit of Australia. 